0: We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay.
1: And today's guest is Matt Fraser. Matt is an American professional CrossFit athlete with the mantra of Hard work pays off. H-W-P-O. He's the most decorated and dominant athlete in the history of CrossFit. He's the only CrossFit athlete in history to win five consecutive CrossFit Games titles as the fittest man on earth from 2016 to 2020, as well as finish on the podium seven consecutive times from 2014 to 2020. Prior to finding CrossFit, Fraser was the 2009 Junior National Weightlifting Champion and resident athlete at the Olympic Training Centre. Now, Matt is a phenomenal athlete, we can all agree, but it is his mindset and approach to training and competing that makes him such a CrossFit legend and an ongoing success at whatever he tries. So in this interview, I try to find out how we too can become like Matt Fraser. In this interview, we discuss how Matt uses his engineering qualifications to build systems for his training and competitions, the importance of Matt's mantra, HWPO, and how it has helped him achieve his life goals, how Matt saw the bright side in breaking his back, and his mindset shift can help you see the silver lining in problems too, and so much more. And now, let's get to the interview. But Thank you so much for coming on. It's an absolute honour to feature you, but for people who maybe don't recognise you, which is very unlikely, how do you give a cliche, you know, 30-second answer of who you are and why you're a legend?
2: Uh, Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, thank you for having me. Um, I think, I think the best description, um, you know, so for anyone that doesn't know, uh, CrossFit or myself, um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say I made a name for myself, um, by winning the CrossFit games five times seven time podium finisher at the games and the, the CrossFit games are basically the world championships of CrossFit. Um, so you, you uh, win the title of fittest man on earth. So you're getting tested um, anything, cardio based, weightlifting base. So powerlifting, strongman, Olympic weightlifting on the cardio side, it could be single modality on, you know, any implement that they mm. want to test you on. Um, And then you mix in gymnastics and then there's the whole variable of the unknown. So the CrossFit Games are usually usually a five-day competition, 15 events, give or take a few. Sometimes we know the events, um, you know, anywhere from a week to two weeks ahead of time. And then we've been in the extreme scenarios of finding out the event, you know, 30 seconds before we go. And then in one instance, Mm -hmm. you know, we even found out the event as we were completing it. So as you're in a race, you don't know where the finish line is and Mm your and your referees kind of giving you information as you go. So, um, you know, tested anything from a one rep max lift, which, you know, is taking, you know, one second, two seconds long um, to we've done three hour events like a marathon row on the concept Two rower. So 42,000 meters and you know so and then anything in between you know it's uh mm. it's it's quite the test
1: because that's why i was so keen to have you on because to do something like i watched it at the arnold's and it was phenomenal just it was tiring watching it never mind actually sitting and competing in it but to say that you've won it five times in a row is, is a phenomenal achievement but i know if i did your workout and i ain't like you i wouldn't get anywhere i'd be just a fat sweaty <laughs> mess <laughs> I, I'm really interested in your hard work pays off. You know, that mentality that seems to drive you as a person. Do you think initially your parents were figures were figure skaters in the Olympics? Do you think you're always destined to be this, or was there another path for young Matt when back in the day?
2: No, I mean my my parents. So you know, my parents were uh, Paris freestyle figure skaters. They they started skating together when they were 18, 19 years old. And, uh, they competed in the 76 Olympics. Then they went on, they won a couple world championship titles once they turned pro. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, there's the, the potential for an athletic background. Um, but growing up, like I, we, my brother and I never saw them skate. They never pushed athletics on us, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Basically the only rule was we had to do something, some structured activity after school Um, didn't have to be sports, you know, music, art, whatever we wanted. Um, so you know, my brother went went the musical musical route. Um, you know, always in a band, um, always in theater club, and you know, he got the exact same support that I got when I started pursuing Olympic weightlifting. Um, you know, any competition, you know, usually my brother was there with my parents, and the same when my brother had a theater production, I was sitting in the crowd with my parents, and um. know they just wanted to make they wanted to instill like a good work ethic into us and then if we signed up for you know a soccer season or signed up for a theater production even if you know two weeks in we're like dude i hate this it's like all right well you signed up other people are relying on you like you're part Hmm. of a team you need to you know fulfill your commitment Um, and you know i don't through middle school and high school i did olympic style weightlifting really couldn't be much more different than than figure skating um and you know i think my, my parents were just happy that you know my brother and i were applying our our potential towards something they, they didn't care that it was what they were experts in
1: because i mean when you started weightlifting i, I think yeah you had the injury um but before that you know you were giving it balls to the wall you were obsessive about it you were living in the olympic center you know when you had that initial injury, how did you, like, uh, you broke the, was it L5 and L4 in your back?
2: How uh, I broke e- my L5, L5 L two spots, yeah.
1: How How did you, at that point, start thinking, okay, I can come back from this? Because you came back even stronger, bumped into a CrossFit gym to use the facilities, and decided, ah, well, I'll give this a shot, and became five times fit as man on earth. <laughs> it's not it's yeah, so the usual yeah, path yeah. to this.
2: yeah yeah you know the the progression of finding crossfit you know so uh when i was 19 i think i was 19 i broke my l5 in two spots um i was living full-time at the olympic training center um and, you know it was a devastating blow because um you know you're you're in a place of uncertainty you don't know um not even how am i going to come back from this but can i come back from this and, hmm. and you know it I was living out there by myself and living on, on your own at that age. You know, it was, it was really tough. Like I was in a low, low spot. Um, thankfully the surgeon that I got linked up with, um, the surgery I, I had was basically experimental. Um, you know, the, the first option, what all the other, um, surgeons told me was the only option was fusion. And they were telling me like, you're never going to play a sport again. You're never going to compete at a high level. Like the most you'll do for physical fitness is, is a light jog. Um, And so, you know, that just, especially as a young kid, that just takes the wind right out of your sails. Hmm. But then the surgeon that I got linked up with, you know, he was very confident and basically said like, Oh no, like if this surgery takes, you'll be back, you'll be good as new, you know, you'll be stronger than you were before. And so that was kind of, you know, what gave me hope, but at the same time, even after the surgery, then I'm probably six to eight months of wondering, did the surgery work? You know, so it's just uh I, I can deal with pain, I can deal with adversity, I can deal with discomfort. That's that's all very simple. It's but having the uncertainty of not knowing is this the right move, is the wrong move, did it take, did it not take? Is my sports career over? Do I have more potential? That's what would just that's what eats me alive is the uncertainty and Mm -hmm. you know at that age you don't have many life experiences in that tough of a situation so it was literally just you know just I I didn't have another option you know I just had to stay pointed in that direction otherwise the only other option was just give up and and I didn't know if I was going in the right direction but I wasn't sitting still I wasn't accepting defeat um so I just kind of kept chugging
1: no, I mean, because it's it's certainly a, a dark place for a lot of people. But, you know, you used it as a kind of a learning experience and a way of building tools to kind of learn how to do things. You know, like you kind of realized if things were going to change. Do you think that helped later on in your career when you were only getting told how to do an exercise as you were in the middle of it? Or as, you know, the new business was taking off, things were getting thrown at you and mixing it up. Has it helped you as a person,
2: do you think? it's It's 100%. Um, helped me become, you know, who I am and how I conduct myself now. I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, once, once I, you know, dealt with the injury, got the surgery, had the recovery process after that, Um, okay. you know, basically every time I'm, I'm faced with an obstacle, especially when I was still competing in CrossFit, you know, I would get, you know, injuries are, are inevitable. Um, If you're, pushing yourself to limits, little tweaks are going to happen, things like that. Um, but it definitely gave me the confidence moving forward because, you know, if I, if I'm dealing with knee pain or like a tweak shoulder, something simple, mm. I'm always looking back of like, dude, if I got through that shit when I was 19, this is nothing, this is easy. Yeah. Um, and especially being in the sport of CrossFit where I was coming from Olympic weightlifting where, you know. You're either taking the ground, the bar from the ground to overhead in one movement, which is the snatch, or you're taking the bar from the ground to overhead in two movements while stopping at your shoulders. You're using most of the same muscle groups. It's all the same technique. It's incredibly repetitive. Whereas CrossFit, you know, if, if, you know, my ankle was stiff, there's a thousand other things I can work on. Um, So, you know, an injury or just, you know, little aches and pains never stop me in my tracks. And so having the combination of those two things of like now I have unlimited variability in what I can train and the fact that I went through this previous life experience and I'm like, dude, if that shit didn't derail me, nothing will, you know, Mm -hmm. it's and then and then the confidence side of it as well of looking at how low I was and how hopeless I was when I had my back injury of the situation of not even knowing you know, how am I going to recover? But can I recover from this now applying that forward of like, dude, I was that low, not that many years ago. And I'm psyched with where I am now. So any obstacle or problem that comes up now, I'm like, oh man, I wonder what the silver lining of this is going to be in two years time or three years time. Um, So, you know, even in moments where, you know, in my CrossFit career, where I was dealing with something that put me at a low point, you know, obviously upset, obviously, you know, struggling to figure out what is the best path to recover from this, but having that confidence behind me of knowing it will be okay. Mm. I don't know if it's going to be okay in a week, a month, a year. I don't know how it's going to be okay. But if I give this enough time and I keep working towards it, like the silver lining will show itself. And, and of course it did through my, through my competitive CrossFit career time and time again.
1: Uh, It's an awesome way to look at, it. because I mean, a lot of times people just crumble at the first sign of adversity. You know, we're not we're not really challenged in today's life. You know, I always say you can order a date online, you can order food online, you can order a taxi to. You know, it's you don't really get pushed anymore. And I I I mean, and
2: and and problems are relative. You know, I talk about this all the time. Of you know, if I'm in peak peak training, I I have nothing else going on in my life. Like I. I concern myself with training and prepping for training and competing. And that's Mm. it in that moment. If I get a hangnail, like I'm like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Um, but I always need to step back and look at it. Like I have a roof over my head. I have a full belly. I have people around me that love me. You know, I'm like all these other things and it's like, Oh, my problems are relative because this is what I'm focused on. And I have Mm. something going on that's stopping me from it. Um, So, you know, depending on times in the season, different things, uh, different things come up that kind of put things in perspective. Um, You know, I can be bitching and moaning about like, oh, you know, my ankle's stiff, I have a hangnail, like whatever it is, training's not going my way. And then you have a real life, you know, problem come up of, you know, a loved one is dealing with health issues. And it's like, oh my God, none of this other shit matters. Like this is, Hmm. this is what I need to focus on.
1: I mean, do you think that, I mean, you studied engineering at, at you know, at your university while you were doing CrossFit, as, as you do, you know, you always seem to need <laughs> a good Do you think that kind of engineering approach helped you that when you went to do, um, you know, like suddenly you realised you had no gas tank when you were lifting and doing CrossFit? Mm-hmm. I, try, I did that when I went to jiu-jitsu. I was like, hey, wait a minute here. What do you mean I need to run as well? I need to last more than five minutes because I used <laughs> to deadlift and powerlift and suddenly it's, you've got to move as well. Do you yeah. think that engineering approach helped you, that you were looking at your body and thinking, how can I make the system more efficient? How can I make this process work better for me?
2: hundred percent. And and in multiple different aspects. Um, so basically, you know, mechanical engineering degree is just, you have a certificate that's proving to your future employer that you are a really, really good problem solver.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um you know, early, early on engineering, you, you're assuming everything is an ideal situation. So, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're ignoring, you know, energy loss to heat, you're ignoring energy loss to friction, you're like all these different things. Um, And then once you start getting, and then you see like a problem, the answer given that everything is running in an ideal world where you're not, friction isn't a thing, heat loss isn't anything like that. And then once you get more and more advanced and you start factoring in those things and you see the discrepancy between the two, Mm -hmm. it is drastic. And so basically it's what it's teaching you is, um, you know, how many different variables apply to the end result. And, you know, and I had experience with it where, you know, my training was awesome but then my sleep was shit. My diet was terrible. My home life wasn't, Mm. wasn't sound, you know, all these different things. Um, and you see the effect that they have. And so basically taking it like an engineering problem, then, you know, this problem of becoming the best at CrossFit and seeing how all these different variables play in. So there's that aspect of it, but then there's also looking at your body very objectively, like your body is just a bunch of levers. Um, and so, learning, you know how to move this bar or this ball or this yoke as efficiently as possible. Looking at your body as a machine of how can I run at one hundred percent efficiency, and looking at each lever arm individually. Um, and then there's and then there's just the math computing side of things. You know when you're when you're running intervals on the track or doing intervals on the rower, and you're a quarter of the way through, and you're like, okay, I'm two seconds ahead of pace now. If I you know, if I'm diminishing on my output as I progress through the next eight minutes, how much can I afford to drop off? Or, you know, if you're behind on a track interval, it's like, hey, all right, you know, I'm two, three seconds behind. Then I have three more four hundreds. You know, how much time do I need to make up in, for each one? Um, you know, being able to compute and do all those calculations on the fly to see, you know, it came up a lot for me. Um most of my CrossFit career, I was in the final heat. So there's usually four heats of, of, uh, individual men, male competitors. And, you know, if somebody in the first heat got the top time, well, I know I'm going into my heat, knowing the time I need to be, and I'm, I'm able to do, uh, you know, check up on my pacing mid workout. So, you know, if I'm after two rounds of a seven round workout and I'm like, okay, I'm at this time. And I need to beat this time. How much time can I afford per round after this? And so, you know, it definitely played a huge, huge role into uh, into how I competed and how I trained.
1: Because I've I'm really impressed. I've listened to like a heap of different interviews you've done. And I really like the ones where you've talked about you were making a system of building towards, is this practice going to help me in my yeah. overall performance? It wasn't, you know, you were, how do I get better sleep to improve my performance? How do I eat better to improve my performance? I love how you create a lifestyle to compete. You now create a lifestyle to build the business to, you know, you seem to have this obsessive nature. Like, I have. that's why I never started smoking to avoid. I want to be rolling 50 a day and playing with all the different things. (laughs) You seem to be like that. You seem to throw yourself into that. How do you build up your lifestyle, your habits, your like your systems to make sure that the mat that goes in to, to compete is the best efficient mat, the most processed mat that can get this done. Did you think um, about this or did it come in the flow?
2: So a li- little bit of both. Um, one, you know, the, the early stages of it aren't really much of a choice for me. Um, you know, it's something I know about myself. I've known since I was, you know, 12 years old is that I have an incredibly addictive personality Um, Mm -hmm. if I pick something up and I like it, um, it's going to be consuming and, um, you know, so when I came in, you know, it first started when, when I started going to university of Vermont of, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be good at it. And, you know, I had some previous life experience with how to train for weightlifting and, you know, taking the mistakes that I, I had from my weightlifting days and applying it forward of like, how, how do I improve on this? Um, and then there's the other kick in the ass after the 2015 games, you know, I was incredibly, incredibly disappointed with the results. And so applying that addictive personality to, to my CrossFit career started after the 2015 games and... And I realized that I wasn't disappointed in the results. I was disappointed in, in my effort to get those results. And I knew Mm -hmm. those results reflected the effort. So I got second place for a second time and it just went like, oh, that's, that's my fault. You know, um, I deserve second place. And, and it was the, what if, you know, I, I was looking at like, what was the deciding factor? What point? what was the one thing that if I had changed that one thing would have led me to a win or a loss? Um, Because, you know, it was a very, very tight race into the last event. Basically, whoever won the last event won the whole competition. And, you know, for me, it was like, all right, what if my sleep was better? What if my diet was a little bit cleaner? What if my training was a little more consistent? And I didn't know which variable contributed. And so I just said, fuck it. I'm I'm not going to leave anything up to what if. I'm going to try to be as perfect as possible i'm going to strive for perfection going into this and so you know for that whole season it was probably 10 months worth of a commitment and and i just made a deal with myself of for the next 10 months for this one season i'm not going to have a single what if at the end of the season whatever the results are i know that is my top performance capabilities and and so, you know, I gave myself a bedtime. I gave myself a meal plan. I trained consistently, um, you know, all these little things that I don't know which one was the contributing factor. I don't mm. know which one was the fork in the road of, hey, you know, if you continue this, you're going to get second place. If you don't, if you make the correction, you're going to win. Um, and in the grand scheme of life, 10 months is it's fucking nothing, you know, like, mm look back at where you were 10 months ago. Sometimes it feels like it was last weekend. And, and so, you know, I, I did that for that whole season and then I won by the largest margin of victory ever in the sport. And i went, like, Oh, it worked. Awesome. Let me double down on that. Let me find more little tiny things that I can uh, change throughout my season to give myself the performance that I truly felt reflected uh, my abilities
1: because it's a big thing, and everybody assumes there's a magic bullet. There's a you eat this, you're fine. You, you know, I think it was beta, uh, beta aniline You mentioned on a podcast, yeah, beta, and everybody, beta, beta. <laughs> and everybody bought it because they thought that made you you. Whereas yeah, they weren't looking at the, uh, you know, the compound interest, the little changes you were making that were fixing things. So how, how you know, using your sort of engineering approach, how did you ana, like use it like analytically to check it? You know, were there tools? Were there like journals techniques so they used
2: i, I think that i think the so the, there's a couple things that i took from from directly from my school like of studying my my performance um the way i studied for engineering um, so one you know like the the retention rate of like basically remembering your notes from school you your retention rate goes up something like 80 percent if you review all of your school notes the night, that night. So, you know, you say you have class at 9 a.m., you're scribbling notes the whole class. That night before you go to bed, read through everything. And just from that one simple task, you're not redoing all the work, you're not redoing all the problems, but just going through and getting your eyes on it for a second time, your retention rate is going to skyrocket. And so, so, you know, I had that while I was training of, you know, I logged everything I did in training, logged my scores, everything. Um, I would go through and that night review all of my training just to get eyes on it again. And then I, that second night I would add in, all right, what did you do well and what could you have done better? And, you know, one sentence, a couple words, you know, um, you know, I would look at a Metcon and go, all right, you know, once I finished that workout, I realized uh, I could have held onto the bar for another couple reps before breaking up my set, or I could have done a couple more ring muscle ups, or I, I should have broken up a little bit sooner. You know, my, my paces fell off by the end. And by adding in those notes and looking at, at my day's work at night and adding in those notes, my retention rate, I, I think, um, you know, skyrocketed so that the next time a similar workout comes out or a similar stimulus or implement comes up. I'm now remembering, all right, last time I did this, it was a set of 20 and I broke it up into 12, eight, but I think I should have gone on broken. So let's try to go on broken this time. Um, the other part was breaking down the entire, entire year into basically daily steps of looking at, okay, when I go to the games this year in August, I want to have you know, let's say a 300 pound snatch, a 375 clean and jerk. I want to back squat 485. I want to pull, you know, a, uh, you know, a 138 average two k, wh- whatever the numbers are that I'm, I'm looking for. And then looking at that, okay, that's where I want to be in 10 months. What do I need to do in nine months to make sure I'm where I'm at in 10, eight, seven, 6, all the way down. And then breaking it down to all the way to a weekly basis, a daily basis, because if I'm going into the gym every single day, going my only goal for the season is to win the crossfit games i'm going to be leaving leaving my training session every single day a failure because i'm Mm -hmm. going to leave the gym go did i win the crossfit games today nope boom today was a failure so breaking it down not only just just so i had a daily dose of instant gratification i can check a box of okay i did what i needed to today so i can be where i want to be in 10 months from now And it's just a daily dose of gratification of giving yourself these little tiny baby steps and those little tiny baby steps every single day. Once you compound those over a year and then season and season uh, back to back, they they compound drastically.
1: I love that kind of approach. It's because everybody assumes it's like, oh, you start doing deadlifts, that's going to make you a superstar. You do this, it's going to make you a superstar. It's the little methods you're changing. And this is why I'm so keen to have you on because it's hard not to sit and take notes. I keep forgetting to ask the next question (laughs) because I've listened to so many of your interviews where I think, what is it? You said in the GQ interview, for example, I've been fortunate enough to overcome some obstacles over the years. So I feel like I have a good perspective when life deals me a card I wasn't expected. I have the tools in place to overcome it and the mental tricks that go along with it. And you've talked in other interviews about the body language you would bring into your competition. So Mm -hmm. you would show, you would probably almost like win the race before it had started or the methods you used for your training, you seek out, you know, coaches and experts to help you in certain areas. How do you start breaking down like the calisthenics, the plyometrics, the you know the Olympic lifting, all these different things? How do you start working it, with people to become the best?
2: So, so it's basically, basically just uh, a giant game of Tetris. You know, when when you're <laughs> looking at you know how many different movements implements time domains that we need to train for you know you're you're busy all day um so you know it's basically playing a ga- giant <laughs> giant game of tetris and then yep. after every competition looking at uh reviewing your performance and you, so you know i went to an extreme of you know if if i won an event at the games i basically stopped training that you know, so if I went into uh, an Olympic weightlifting event and I I win the snatch, well, basically I'm going to throttle back drastically on the time and effort that I'm putting into that movement, um, because you don't you don't get more points for winning by more. Hmm. Um, so your performance is scored relative to other people. So if if I'm Say say there's an event where it's a one mile for time. It's a mile time trial, and and I I get five minutes flat. And the second place was five thirty. Well, I don't get more points. I should have run a five twenty nine mile, save some energy, because it doesn't matter how much you win an individual event by. It's the same points. So so I took that to uh, to a perspective of like, all right, if I'm winning the event at the games. I can throttle back on that. I can sacrifice some time and effort and put that to mm-hmm. my lowest scoring event and then breaking it down of what was my lowest scoring event? Why was it low score? And being brutally honest, you know, there, there are instances where, you know, you just, you felt like you had a bad judge or something like that. And you're like, no, I know I'm really good at that, but you know, my equipment faulted or my judge was giving me a hard time, whatever it was that, you know, it's rarely the, the case, but, you know, looking at it very objectively and going, okay, do I need to apply more time there? What about it? you know, was it the implement itself? Was it the stimulus? Was it the time domain? All all these different factors. Um, and looking at what do I need to change moving forward to make sure that that doesn't happen again.
1: Because you've said your biggest sort of fear is not, you know, utilizing your full potential and things, you know, and you always seem to want to, no matter what it is, you're, you know, I'm going to do the best business, I'm going to do the best relationship, the best friendship, the best whatever it is. Um, do you think that has, because you've tied your your personality or identity into that rather than you're the fittest man on earth you know so you don't lose that identity when you finish that you can use this approach to like i just need to work on this oh i need that's a weakness i'm going to work on that you're not thinking oh i need to be better than him to keep this persona up have you
2: so so i mean once again you know this is kind of something that i took from from my previous sports career um was making sure that you know, like you you're a fool to think if you're gonna compete forever, if you're gonna, you know, remain number one, especially in a physical field, um, you know, it's going to end at some point. Hmm. Um you know, so I had a couple different experiences with it. You know, one, I watched my parents. You know, my parents were Olympians multiple time world champions after they turned pro. Um and then but but I know them as mom and dad. I don't know them as can Candy Jones and Don Fraser, the figure skaters. Um, And I'm willing to bet if you ask them like, Hey, you know, what's, what's your pride and joy? Like, what are you most proud of in your life? It's probably not their sports career. You know, my mom went on to, you know, be a family physician. You know, they raised two kids that I, I hope they're pretty psyched on. Um, And, and then, so that, that was my example. You know, they Mm -hmm. had this tremendous sports career, but I knew them as mom and dad. And then, and then from my weightlifting, um, you know, with my back injury, I realized how quickly your sports career can get stripped away from you with, with no, no control. Um, you know, so, you know, like I unexpectedly broke my back, you know, you don't usually break your back. You don't anticipate it, but, um, and I saw how quickly, boom, that can get stripped away. And then any athlete knows, you know, you can have the training session of a lifetime and then pull your trap, putting your gym bag over your shoulder, you know, those injuries, like you can't control them. You know, you get T-boned by a car and boom, sports career is over. And, and so I always knew like from that as well, like seeing how quickly that can get stripped away. You know, I wanted to make sure to have a backup plan. I wanted to make sure to have a personal identity and goals outside of the gym so that when the inevitable day comes that, you know, whether I have a career ending injury or I'm forced, I'm not good enough to compete anymore. Or if I decide to walk away, I'm not walking away to just sitting on the couch and twiddling my thumbs. You know, I don't do well with idle hands. And so I wanted to make sure to have an identity outside because the day, the day I decide to retire, some, somebody new is going to be the fittest man in the world. And, and I like when that day happened, I was there. I, I was, you know, crying in the stands for, for the guy, you know, I was pumped for him because I was very content. I'm like, no, I, I went there, I did what I wanted to do. I, you know, I feel incredibly accomplished and proud of what I did. Um, But I knew when, when I stepped away, I didn't want to ever have those lingering feelings of like, ah, could I do one more season? I miss it. You know, all this and that. It's like, Nope. Like, I had had some projects lined up for the day I stepped away.
1: Cause that's why I was keen to have you on. It's not the, you know, what rep scheme did you use? It's what makes you, you, you know, like how do you, cause everybody could do your workout, but no one could be you without that approach to life, that mental kind of conditioning, that cognitive sort of like breakdown and an analytical mind. And I, I love the way that you look at things and you think, how do I improve this? How do I improve that? I mean, you talked about how you work with coaches so that you got your form so good you couldn't basically break it down, like your weightlifting form when you were tired. Mm. You worked on it so much that it was impossible to go wrong in your form. How do you do this with other things like the gymnastics? With the, you know, like how can a beginner athlete coming into CrossFit? can you go past the learning curve can you hack your way in or do you need to make the mistakes to learn it do you think
2: i think so one one thing that you know i've said this for years the the most valuable thing i learnt in college was how to learn i i figured out what worked for me yeah and and then you know when it you know there's so many parallels moving forward into my sports career into my business career of find find people that are specialists find people that that know more than you um you know I've done it in my personal life I've done it in my sports career I've done it in my business life um you know with running a business especially how it is now you know there's so much going on that I don't know how to do it you know like I know what I'm good at I know I'm Phenomenal at at training CrossFit. I know I'm phenomenal at coaching, programming all these things. I don't know how to build an app. I don't know how to you know manage you know all these employees. So it's like all right, well let me find somebody that does, and let me try to learn from them. And it was the same, uh, you know, when it came to running, when it came to deadlifting, when it, like deadlifting is a great example because I'm proficient in Olympic weightlifting. That's what I did for ten years: snatch, clean, a jerk. Um, but when it came to powerlifting I'm like you know I could I could get 80% of the way there um, but in terms of specific deadlift I don't know so let me let me try to get a hold of somebody that you know is a world champion has a world record something and and pick their brain because very very rarely do you find somebody that is the best in the world at what they do and they don't enjoy talking about it mm-hmm. um and so, you know, that's what I did with running. That's what I did with deadlifting. That's what I did with swimming. Um, and yeah, you're going to get told no a hundred times, but who gives a shit? Just send out the email, send out the text. You know, it's, a, it's a, usually a small world, you know, you know, you just put out your intentions into the world of like, Hey, I'm looking for a deadlift specialist. Can anyone help me? Um, and you know that that's basically what I did. I used a network of friends, colleagues to, to track down professionals and there's literally the same as what I do for hobbies. You know, um, I love, love coffee. What? Just start, you know, start searching hashtag espresso on Instagram and start sending out DMs. Like if somebody has something that you want, somebody has that knowledge on how to make the perfect shot of espresso. Well, they've put in the time. They've put in the effort. They're, they're professional at it, you know, and they're they're passionate about it. And very rarely do you find someone that's the best at what they do and they don't want to chit chat about it with you. And and so, you know, that's where Instagram is just like the craziest tool of like networking of, yeah, like you might send out 10 DMs to 10 people that all have a trait that you are striving towards and nine might not read it. But then all you need is that one to answer back and, you know, start chit chatting that, make a build that relationship and then start asking questions.
0: It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The company showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to com slash affiliates and
1: level up. It's what I did with the podcast. I was so interested in certain things. Yeah. Knew I didn't know, and I was like, I'll ask that expert, that expert. And it is phenomenal. And I love that how you're like in your, HP, um, you know, your hard work pays off business. You're bringing in all these experts. You're creating new systems, asking people what they want, and you're building from there. Do you find that, I mean, I think you got it tattooed on yourself, the serenity prayer, the, you know, the control of the controllables. I find a lot of top performers just go, okay, that's what I focus on. I'll get other experts in to do this. Do you control the controllables and delegate the others? Is this the engineering mindset coming in as well?
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I mean, my whole life, you know, I say the serenity prayer to myself, you know, 20 times a day. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when you're faced with a tough situation, it's it's so easy to go, oh well, you know, if he didn't if he didn't send that email, if she didn't say that to that person, if this person would just do what I told him to do. Yeah, it's very easy to point the finger at what everyone else is doing wrong, but that doesn't resolve the problem. So you have to look at, all right, I'm clearly in a situation right now that I don't want to be in. What can I do to get myself out of it? And And not looking at like, oh, well, you know, if Sally would just do her fucking job, I wouldn't be in this situation. It's like, all right, well, let's have a, let's have a talk with Sally. Like, is it that, you know, she's not the right fit for that position? Is she, uh, did you not communicate the task at hand properly to her? Did you not set, you know, the proper guidelines or due date or like, what can I do to, to fix this problem? Do I need to educate her? Do I need to put out better expectations? Do I there's a list a mile long. Um, You know, I did it when I was competing before every event, I would go to the back of my corral. I would crouch down. I would say the serenity prayer to myself. And then I would analyze it, how it applied to that event Mm. and, and looking at it. Okay. What do I not have control over in this situation? I don't have control over what, who I have for a judge. I don't have control over how my competitors pace this workout. I don't have control over the equipment that's allotted in my lane, Um, anything like that. And then, and then going through, what do I have control over nine times out of 10? The only thing I have control over is my effort. Um, And so really honing in on that, like, okay, what is a good distinction of me putting in a solid effort? Um, And then just breaking that down and then, so that I'm running my own race. And then regardless of the results, you know, whether I get first place or 40th place, I can be proud and make sure that those results reflect my personal ability. Um, Because once again, you know, in, in this sport, you know, your, your results, it doesn't matter if it was the best event for you, you're scored on how the other guys did You're scored relative to other people. So Hmm. if I'm going in, Going into a competition, there's a mile time trial. My mile PR is five minutes, and then I go out there and I run a four fifty mile. Well, I'm doing fucking backflips, a 10 second PR. That's phenomenal. I, I executed perfectly. I did awesome. Well, if thirty nine other guys that day all decide to run a four thirty mile, well, am I now disappointed in in my effort and in my results? Fuck no. I <laughs> I executed perfectly. I got a personal record. I I could not have done better um and so making sure that i'm executing so that i'm proud of my results at the end at the end of the day and you know the hope is that the, my if i execute perfectly that it puts me at the top of the podium but i have very little control over that
1: i love that way that you look at it because you've talked in other interviews about how you know you kind of fixed the the things you knew that were going wrong you looked and said okay I need to work on that I need to fix that and mm-hmm. it might be the difference between 10 seconds it might be an extra rep but it might be the thing that puts you higher up and get enough points on that one to win overall and when you went from second to first and then you had your unbreaking chain is that how you approached it you looked at you broke down your training week into strength weakness that's how I'm going to tackle. I'm gonna build the base here in my strength, then go from there. How 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 would you do this in terms of it? Was there a week, a normal week?
2: Um, I mean the format of of how I would train was was basically repetitive. You know, I could take the stencil from, you know, the 2016 and broad strokes, um, it was the same thing on repeat. You know, I the a 10-month training block was mm. the same from season to season, you know, obviously we have to account for, you know, different formats, different qualifying times, that type of stuff. But, you know, it was the same year in year out. Uh, And, and, but every year after every competition, I would sit down, I would watch all the, all the footage. I would look at the leaderboard um, looking at what I, what I did well, what I did poorly. And then, and then also looking at like, okay, you know, if, if I did poorly in it, what are my expectations moving forward, you know? So like the one year deadlifting, I think I took like 27th place or something like that, like lower half Mm. and, and then looking at, okay, how much time and effort am I willing to dedicate towards this? And and if I'm trying to add 20 pounds by next season onto my deadlift, how much time is that taken away? Like what am I sacrificing on the other side of like, you know, All these first places, if if bumping my score on the deadlift is from twenty-seventh to twenty-fifth, but it's gonna cause all my first places to drop to thirds, well it's probably not worth it. Yeah. Um so looking at it of like pros and cons, you know, I go into every day of training, I looked at it as if um trying to think of like the example, like do you know like the Sega Genesis, like Street Fighter type game where it's just two characters. And up in the top right corner of each one, there is your like health bar Mm -hmm. of how many points, you know, you've had. Um, I looked at my day as having that little bar up in the corner. I looked at every day as I have a hundred points to spend today. How am I going to spend them?
1: Oh, like the experience Um, points kind of thing.
2: Like, and, you know, just like daily effort, like never once did I run out of time in the day. I I ran out of energy. And so I looked at it like I had 100 points of energy. How am I going to spread these out throughout the day? Um, and so, you know, if putting a deadlift session in that's going to take all 100 points and then everything else goes to shit, well, it's probably not worth it. Um, but then, you know, trying to accumulate some of those points even outside of the gym, you know, so make sure that I'm in a relationship that doesn't, doesn't affect me negatively at all. Like, I'm, I'm blessed to have Sammy and, you know, she's just always building me up. She's always there for support. Um, But in terms of nutrition, you know, if I'm tracking every single macro, how much effort and time is that going to take versus, you know, if I just eat what I need to eat and I'm not tracking it to make sure that I'm as ripped as possible, anything like that, is that giving me an extra five points in the day? Um, You know, Simple, simple examples. 99% of my pictures from when I was training while I was competing, I'm in the exact same outfit. I found a pair of pants I like. I found a t-shirt that I like and I bought 10 of each. Um, Like my tube socks. I I only own one type of tube sock. I only trained in one style of shoe so that every morning when I'm getting dressed, go to the gym, I'm not having to give five seconds of effort to what am I going to wear today? it's it's the same fucking thing every single day uh like my i I had a shaved head my entire crossfit career or uh once i started winning because when i got up in the morning i didn't want to have to worry about oh i have bed hair i need to like put time and effort i don't need to schedule a haircut once every other week and go Mm -hmm. you know commute somewhere sit there for an hour if the barber is running behind schedule now it just cut into another hour um you know, so setting all these things up, pretending that I only had 100 points to spend and conserving those things only onto the actions that are going to get me towards my goal.
1: I mean, that alone, that like, well, but there would have probably transformed people's lives. You know, I think we're just sort of touching the surface. I mean, I'd, I've got questions on recovery, diet, nutrition. I'd love to have you on again and do a round two. Really, go into things, but <laughs> Absolutely. What, I mean, what do you think... If you had to sort of give a bit of advice, because I know we're a very short time, but what advice would you give to somebody listening to, to take the HWPO approach to life, to take the mechanical, the analytical approach, to realize that they're in their comfort zone, they can do more, they can push um, themselves?
2: So, you know, I think, I think it depends what, where are you? in the journey and like, what, what are your goals? You know, so let's just keep it simple and say it's a fitness journey. You know, somebody is looking to start working out and they, you know um, you know, you just have an extra 50 pounds on you that you're like, I've had it. I'm getting rid of this baby steps. You know, if you're in the very beginning stages of it, baby steps, um, you know first day in the gym don't go don't go out and drop a thousand dollars on a new wardrobe thousand dollars on supplements all and like gym membership and you're like I'm doing two a days six days a week all the baby steps because if you make this huge life altering decision it's going to be incredibly uncomfortable it's going to be you know miserable it's you're out of your comfort zone so drastically that at the first road bump Uh, you're going to immediately revert back. You're looking for an excuse to go back to, to your old habits. Um, You know, it's one of those things like diet, you know, somebody can be on a super, super strict diet and the first time they go to a wedding and you know, it's catered and they're like, Oh, I, I don't have my own food. This isn't the best food. Mm. Ah, well, screw it. It's Friday. I'm just going to blow it out. And then I'm going to have dessert. And then Saturday Sunday roll around and you're like ah oh, well I already screwed up on Friday's diet might as well get my money's worth Saturday Sunday um, and then you're der- and then you're just derailed mm-hmm. little changes so like if, if you drink a six pack of soda a day it's like don't just go cold turkey and you know have like withdrawals from it and be miserable because you're not having your six pack of whatever it's like cut it down to three. And then once three becomes normal, then cut it down to one. And then when one becomes normal, now it's a once a week type thing. Um, You know, my my buddy that started coming here to work out, he first day of training, I think we did like a 16 minute EMOM. It may have even been a 12 minute EMOM. And then I was like, okay, go home. And he's like, what, that's it? I'm like, yeah. Like let's, let's do a 16 minute imam for a week or two weeks until it becomes normal. You know, we don't want that Mm. association to be daunting of like, oh shit, I need to go to the gym. It's going to be three hours. I am going to be in pain the whole time. Like this is going to be miserable. Um, So you're almost looking for an excuse to stop, but little change like, just like I I've had it where I was coming back into training after a month off season and my first, you know, three days back i just went to the gym i didn't even train i literally just went there i was like all right you have to stay there for 30 minutes you know just get back in the routine of the commute there get back in the routine of hanging out with your buddies all this type of stuff then the next week it was like all right just bench press and curls and pull-ups you know very keep my heart rate low i'm just getting back into the gym getting back into the habit of getting the bar out of the rack loading the bar you know having some tough sets very very simple leading back in and that was this is like after 10 years of Olympic weightlifting, 10 years of competitive CrossFit, it was just super, super basic, easy shit. Um, so, you know, baby st- baby steps. And when, once that baby step becomes the new norm, then then add on a little bit extra.
1: And do you have a kind of like a mental approach, like a mantra or a, like a boss switch that you put on when you're going to compete? Where does the the intensity come from? Or do you just enjoy yourself that match and fall back on the training? You know, how do you mentally go into the competitions and things like that?
2: Um, you know, so for, for me, it was definitely a unique situation. Um, you know, the motivators that I use probably don't apply um, to most people. So I, I think, and that, that's another important part, is that find your motivation. Find your carrot at the end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was like, I I didn't care what my social life looked like. I didn't care what my body lo- body looked like. I didn't care fucking anything. My singular goal was to win the games, and that was very very unique situation. You know, uh, early on, I made the decision to structure all my contracts um, so that they they were heavily heavily weighted on on the the CrossFit games. So for me, it was looking at it of like okay. I don't care how unhappy I am, miserable I am, how much it hurts, nothing like that's all opinion. I'm here to win because I knew what was on the line. Um, And I knew like, all right, this is going to have an effect on me for the rest of my life. What story do I want to tell? What future do I want to provide for myself and my family? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and for me, like for me, it was, I wanted Like, once you have a championship, nobody takes it away from you. Like, somebody can beat all my records. Somebody can, you know, win six in a row or win by more points or whatever it is. Um, But forever and always, I'll be the five-time world champion. Um, Mm. You know, I so I wanted to make sure that you know, I, once I had those gold medals, I had them forever, but then, you know, I wanted to live the rest of my life as a champion. There's that Muhammad Ali quote of like, suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. And I, I took that to heart. Um, so I think, I think the big thing is identifying what is your goal? Um, you know, is it to look better? Is it to, you know, be consistent? Is it to create new habits? Is it to win? Is it to become dominant? Um, but then you also have to weigh the pros and cons of like, all right, well, what am I sacrificing? You know, for me, to put in the effort that I wanted to put in, um, you know, I had no social life. You know, I was very Mm -hmm. lucky that I found Sammy and she was along for the ride. Um, But, you know, it was a very, very selfish couple of years that, you know, I wasn't traveling for family function. I wasn't traveling for vacations. So most of the time, that means that she's not traveling either. Um, So, you know, for me, I had my goals very clearly defined early on. And then I didn't waver on on the effort that I was applying to those at all.
1: I mean, before we can get around to and then go into like the business side and stuff like that, but what would you, If it's a perfect time to sell HWPO because it's an amazing platform with some amazing programs. What would somebody listening get from it if they signed up to it just now? What would the the athlete who wants to become, who wants to Fraser the games, who wants to be the new Matt, how can what can we get from it from signing up? The benefits and what would you want the evolution to be?
2: Um, so, I mean, with the with the app itself, you know, HWPO training, you know, we've we've expanded a ton um, over the last couple of months. Um, you know, that first year was, you know, kind of dipping my toes in and figuring out what works, what doesn't work. Um, You know, what, what do people want? What is there a market for? Um, You know, I put out my, what, what I thought was the best training plan. And, you know, that it, it was for, it was intended for the person that, you know, isn't looking to compete at the games, but still like, you know, you're in the gym six days a week and you're chasing PRs. Um, so you know you want to lift more weight, you want to row faster, run faster, all that stuff, and then you know listening listening to the feedback, you know according to some of the population, they're like this is way way too much volume. You know it was it was set up to be about two hours a day, and you know some people this is way too much volume, and then you talk to some other people and they're like this is such light volume. You know where's the rest of it? And so we we listened to that feedback and we we created two more tracks. So we made the pro track that is two sessions per day, probably two, two and a half hours per session. And then we made the 60 minute track where you can be in the gym by yourself and be held accountable by all the different time, time domains. And you're in and out of the gym in, in one hour, start to finish. Um, And then, you know, we heard people like, Hey, I have limited equipment or I have no interest in lifting barbells, anything like that. So, so we made a, a sweat track. Where it's no barbells, no high skill gymnastics. It's there's no progressions that it follows throughout the season. It's just a forty five minute daily sweat and get healthy. Um, so you know we're we're always expanding. We're always trying to you know provide provide the best service possible for the customers. But I think the big thing that um, you know I take a lot of pride in is it's not the instant gratification. You know, it's not every day work up to a heavy single or pull, run as fast as you can, pull as hard as you can on the rower. There's very, very little of that. And anytime there's a one rep max, there's usually, you know, at least 10 to 12 weeks of progressions leading up to that point. So, especially with the HWPO flagship track, uh, you know, I put a ton of emphasis on pulling the skill level down and working on the foundation so that. Moving forward, you have a better foundation. So something as simple as pull-ups. Yeah. Um, when you compete in CrossFit, you know, it's it's a, almost mandatory that you have to do kipping pull-ups or butterfly pull-ups to speed up your cycle rate. But I always saw that how many people became dependent on that kit. And and so instead of the kit being there for assistance and making it easier, it was, all, it was a requirement. They couldn't complete the rep without it. Um, so, you know, I want to provide a great foundation. So, you know, it's not just lifting heavy, you know, we're doing higher volume, lighter weight, and then, and then tapering up to a one rep max, the same thing with the gymnastics work, you know, we're constantly doing accessory work and strict movements, scaled movements to build the proper foundation so that moving forward, you have, you have that strength there. And so then you can keep building off of it.
1: I love it. I love how it's that analytical. It's the mechanical part of your brain again. It's okay. Taking yeah. a business, I'm looking for feedback. How do I improve the lever? How do I make the system better? Like everything you're doing, and it's such an amazing legacy. And. I think we, we could talk for hours. I think we're just getting into the, the, the you know, the nitty-gritty. Yeah, this
2: is the iceberg, man.
1: <laughs> and I would love, I mean, I'm honored to have you on and I'd love to have you on again. But for people, how do we keep in touch? How do we see these amazing things you're doing? And how do we follow along in this amazing journey that you've got going on?
2: So, uh, you know, the the spot that me personally that I'm most active is, um, is on Instagram. Instagram handles Matthew Fraz, Matthew with one T um but then for everything hwpo you know there's hwpotraining.com and then um you can download the app for hwpo training uh so you need to sign up online and then download the app and then there's tracks for you know basically every fitness level um and then we're constantly expanding you know we're always working we're our next endeavor is like very sport specific things um so you know not just the general health and fitness well-rounded it's for people that you know they have a desire to get better at this one modality we we want to be we want to be that one-stop shop when it comes to to fitness and working out and getting getting better um you know with, with the hwpo app you know there's there's so much more you know we we have like a community group center where you know there's daily videos there's live calls there's you know we have full-time people that are in there answering questions so that no matter what track you're on what question you have even if it's someone else has asked it a hundred times already you can ask the question and get and get a personalized response for it um but yeah i'd say that that's between the hwpo training and uh and my personal instagram that's where i'm going to be most active
1: and the in the freezer looks uh, the food in there was amazing I, I yeah. Feel yeah, you know
2: always yeah if you if you want to tag along with sammy you know she she just released her first cookbook uh a couple months ago um she has her instagram handle feeding the frasers um and, you know i i was so lucky it was like having a cheat code on deck of just <laughs> her cooking for me all the time and that's what it started as was uh you know a, just a digital menu for myself so when i'm leaving for training and she's like hey what do you want for dinner I can pull up her Instagram page and just kind of scroll through and be like, ah, oh, let's do this. And then, you know, so many people that are striving to be fitter and better want, they, they want to bring in every aspect and diet is a huge aspect of it. So they wanted to see what I was, what I was doing. And then it just got so popular. She turned that into a full-time career.
0: Well, that's it for another week and thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life.